Women Bridging the Gap is a freewheeling conversation co-hosted by Lenya Wilson and myself, Alexandra Detalia. Listen to our conversations while we discuss race and womanhood at the hearth level. I went to New Jersey, saw my dad, saw my stepmom. Then I, we went all three of us and I saw my, I saw Gabby. And then we all got on a plane and we went to visit my sister and I saw my niece and nephew. I went, I lived life in Wisconsin for a weekend where we went to lacrosse games. (laughs) Like I saw what it would have been like to be a Midwestern mother. (laughs) Kill me now. But what a head fuckery, like visiting mm-hmm. family. I mean, I'm so close with them, but it's just head fuckery. So I'm about to visit family soon. You are? Where are you going? I'm going to Utah. <gasps> my sister lives down there and my she's about to give birth to her first child and my first nephew. Right. And my mom's coming down as well. We're, we're going to all stay down there for a month, getting to know the baby and a bunch of other stuff. I'm also going to build a bathroom for my sister in the basement. Since I'm going to be down there for a month, I can do that. But we it's supposed to be about right the baby. There. Yeah. 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 But meanwhile, do labor for us. Yeah. I, I offered. It was not, it, they didn't ask. I. It's a Christmas present. What's your birth order? Oh, I'm the younger. Uh, absolutely you are. Two, two, no, yeah. Oh, yeah. no older sibling would offer to do that. No. Yes, that's true. I would not. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see my family and there will be no offers of anything of that kind. <laughs> I, I'm seeing, I'm going to New York hopefully in three weeks. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to try to schedule it for Father's Day, but there will be none of that. There'll be none of that. <laughs> I'm going to see my niece for the first time. Nice. So exciting. Yeah. It so does I'm feel cool. like seeing family, like for people who don't have family nearby, it really is like seeing people after a year. It is like this huge, my, yeah. Lenya knows this and listening to podcasts. I do feel like I'm going through menopause. I feel like I've aged. I have jowls. I feel like this is the year I look middle-aged. And so I was nervous about going home that dad was going to be like, it, it might be know. a zoom filter or something, but I don't see it. I don't either. either. But, but it is, <laughs> well, you should have seen me five years ago, but I was so nervous that my dad was going to be like, Oh God, you know, that's her like aging. And so, yeah, sure. But it's so funny. We were getting into the car to go somewhere and he's Alexandra. I was just so worried. You were going to think I age so much in this year. Do I look mm. old? And I'm like, Oh my God, it's fucking genetics. The vanity <laughs> in our family is like insane. And he doesn't, he looks great. And you know, he's, they're going out more than we ever did. And then they're in, they're going to St. Martin on Saturday for two weeks. They went to nice. a Serby party. I was like, my quality of life is so <laughs> shitty compared to my parents who are in their 80s. I, it's un- Oh, that's so funny. I, I almost would have been, a silly story, but I almost would have been in St. Martin at the same time as your parents. Really? <laughs> One of my best friends was going to get married there in July, but has postponed it to next year because of all the craziness and stuff. But Oh, wow. So you'll go oh. next year. Yeah, so 2022. Yep. Will you be married by then? So let's tell yes, everybody. All right, June well, all right, wait a minute, yes. wait a minute. We haven't even introduced. Let's just start. So, <laughs> Hi, it's Brendan. I'm, I'm back. Welcome, everybody. Am I your first repeat guest? No. You are our first repeat guest. Yes. Because David yeah, was all so. in one go. Yeah, David yeah, there was, you go. Yeah, and so was... Part one and two. We had a couple of two-parters, but you're our first mm-hmm, repeat. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, <laughs> I'm honored. 
Welcome to really family. Up, everybody. Does it, does it, is it really, are you really a guest? I think you're just like no, part of the family. family. We're having family on. Yeah. And uh, the producer's like coming in. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's all. You're going to tell us all the things we do wrong. Well, we often <laughs> just so everybody knows we like Brendan, please listen through. Is there anything that's going to get us fired in trouble? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I honestly, I'm not the best person for that because those are the best bits and I want to leave them in. I know uh, you're so bad like that. <laughs> I, I do cut a lot, but I'm mean, not a lot, but I cut some reasonably understandable stuff. <laughs> but definitely there's some things like maybe we'll put this in the trailer right? or uh, the <laughs> intro or uh, let's just move this to the front. So, OK, so everybody, Brendan, since we had him on last time, he is engaged. So, yes. And apparently you have a fantastic story. We want to hear. Yeah. The engagement story is was pretty fun. I, I sent out. So. I came up with this idea and how to propose to my girlfriend a year and a half ago. And she's really into, she's much more traditional than I am. I'm very, let's question all traditions and try to do something that feels right as opposed to something that's old. And she loves old stuff and it's great. And it's kind of fun because that's very different than me. And so we got to compare and contrast a lot like that. So, you know, the traditional thing is to ask for a father's hand in marriage she's close with her both her parents, but she's also really close with all of her friends. And so I thought it would be fun to ask all of her friends and family for their blessing to to marry their friend or fam- or, or, or daughter family member. And partially I wanted to do this is because I'm only I'm only two years out from being divorced. And it was a 14-year marriage that did not go well. And I didn't communicate with my family about the marriage. Like I didn't really touch base with anybody about how healthy that relationship was before getting married or really while I was in it either. And so it was also partially a little bit of checking myself. Hey, does this seem like a good match to everybody else? Cause I think right. this is amazing. And so for close to a year, I was just working in my notes app, just like honing the message that I wanted to send to people and like really thinking about how I wanted to put this all together. And so then I asked a bunch of people to record a selfie video of themselves answering a few questions. Brendan's so romantic. <laughs> it's also understanding that it is a community affecting decision. Yeah. Yeah. Really beautiful. Yeah. While you pull that. Yeah. Like you become because the thing that I like. So Eric and I have had a little drama, you know, so we've broken up twice. Mm -hmm. Well, we broke up once after 12 years, got back together, got married four years later, got divorced or separated for three years. And now we're together. So I call Mm -hmm. him jokingly my husband. Or there was, Cute. <laughs> but also like at school, sometimes I call him my husband and sometimes I call him my boyfriend. And then there was this whole rumor going around <laughs> that I ha- was very open Had about both. my affair and nice. that being true. So it's just very confused. So I just, he's my Eric. But the thing that I said when we got back together again, I was like, we can never break up again. Like it's murder is the only option for either of us. Kind of because we can't fuck with the community anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. been 10 years of putting our community through a ringer. And I was like, yeah. so unfair oh, to them. Point. I was like, if we're getting back together. You know, this has to be seamless for the people we love because mm-hmm. this has been painful. And so mm-hmm. if somebody dies, one of us, you guys know to wonder. 
That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, okay, it's on the record. <laughs> it's on the record. <laughs> and now it's on the record. And, and Brendan, you can leave that in. It's fine. <laughs> I've told enough people that Sounds I would good. have to be very Sounds concerned good. if he dies. <laughs> like I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. So <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do appreciate the edited note. Okay, there. but okay. So let's hear these questions. questions. Yeah. So I, I give a little preamble about what Margaret means to me. And I ask them to take a video and answer these questions. Please say a greeting in your own way. Very simply, what does love mean to you? What does marriage mean to you? May I have your blessing to take Margaret's hand in marriage? Do you have a short personal story about Margaret and me or a story from your own relationship that can relate in some way that you'd like to share? What do you want f- to see from Margaret in my future? And please say goodbye or farewell in your own way. There was like 15 different people that I asked between my family, her family, and our friends. And I got back over an hour of footage. So I, I put that into a video. I put some music to it. And and then I was like holding on to it for a little bit, trying to find the right time and everything. And finally, it hit. So it, there, was a, there was a lull here in Oregon in COVID cases. So we were feeling like it'd be okay to go out of the house because <laughs> we really hadn't gone out of the house almost at all. And it was a nice weekend. And so I'm like, okay, let's go to Yahat's Beach, which is a place that it was, a, it's a favorite of both of ours that we had gone to together early in our relationship and had, we took a bunch of really great selfies that we look back at from that trip. And I'm like, let's go back there. It'll be really fun. And so we're walking along the beach and it's a really rocky beach. You can't, there's actually no like sand. It's just rocks and the, the water splashes up constantly on, on, over you. And it's just really fun to look at. And we hike for a while. And we sit on a spot and I'm like, hey, oh, and we've been watching, <laughs> we've been watching The Bachelor lately for some reason, because it's just horrible. It's awful. I, we hate it, but we love it. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, hey, I have this, I have this video about Bachelor <laughs> that I want you to look at. Just, I, I thought it'd be fun. I know it's kind of random, but then I, I pull out the video and, and play it for her. And we're both crying while we're watching it. And then I hop off the rock that we're both sitting on and, and get down on a knee and, sh- and give her the ring. And, and she said yes right away. And it was great. And and she just looks amazingly beautiful in the ring. And we're super excited. We're planning the wedding. And like my first marriage was a courthouse and just quick and done. And this one, we're, we're spending a year and a half planning it. And it's so much fun to throw this big party with all our friends and family. I'm just so excited. Oh, so awesome. That sounds so beautiful. Such a beautiful story. <laughs> it's, you know, there's something um, a little bit from the tradition and it's a bastardized version of it a little bit in this, in, but you know, at Quaker weddings, you stand in a circle and if you're moved, just like you do at a, at a friend's circle, the idea is if you're moved to speak, you do. And I had the great honor of going to a Quaker wedding. It was on a beach in Sonoma and standing around. And it really was like, what do you want to, what do you think of love? What do you, what, mm-hmm. what are your message for this couple? What is the story you want to tell? And it was so moving. You know what yes. I mean? So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. hope in your wedding, you show a part of that video. That's a plan. Yeah. I'll have a link to it in the show notes too, because I uploaded it to YouTube to share with everybody who shared with me. And since I'm sharing this with the Bridging the Gap family, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, too. definitely. Because it's such a beautiful thing to sort of also rituals or I, I struggle with rituals. So I think I'm like you, I question mm-hmm. everything. I'm always suspicious of rituals. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. And I'm not a joiner by nature. I didn't grow up in a family of joiners. So it's all very tough for me. But I have to say there mm-hmm. is some, as I get older, especially, you start to see some beauty in some of the rituals. And like you get to curate. I do think there is some, I don't think it's cultural appropriation. I do think there is some element of you pick and choose what's beautiful and you make it meaningful in your family and, and you do it. I find that interesting that you're not a joiner and you joined CrossFit. Yeah, but I quit CrossFit. But that's because you hurt yourself. I think you would have stayed. I don't think I would have stayed forever. Don't so? okay. I don't, I just haven't, I'm not. See, I always I'm, have to bring it back to CrossFit because what's the first rule of CrossFit? <laughs> talk about CrossFit. Always talk about CrossFit. I know, exactly. <laughs> and you're not even in CrossFit anymore. You know, it's partly we grew up being, you know, be, my parents being so political they're very, you know, in, in the Watergate era, in the Vietnam War, there's like suspicious of government. Don't trust government. Don't trust administrations. My mother, social worker, my dad, a lawyer, not company people like distrust companies, distrust the man, you know, be mm-hmm. careful. On my mother was always saying, don't, you know, did you ever see a psychologist? You know, they asked that question on a doctor's form. She's don't write down that you did. It's none of their business. She's very, don't trust anybody. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then they're atheists and they're the ones who rejected Catholicism. So they were like, we don't trust this. We don't trust that. I wasn't allowed to be in Girl Scouts. I mean, I was not meant to join. And I'm always the person in the wedding who's standing outside smoking. Even when I didn't mm-hmm. smoke, I was standing out smoking because I'm like, I don't trust this fucking shit. <laughs> like that, that, you know, and I hate to say most <clears throat> of the weddings from my 20s, Oh, nobody's together anymore. So you're doing all this for, you know, this yeah. all this sh- it's all shit. It's all bullshit. You were standing in bullshit. I spent a whole student loan, uh-huh. you know, on bullshit. Yeah. And I have all the yeah, ugly dresses to prove it. I yeah. am not a ritualist. <laughs> I'm not a, no. Ugh. But in my old age, I'm like, oh, it's cute. Like, you know. <laughs> Definitely. In regards to the, the way you described your parents, like kind of having you, like telling you to question things, I didn't really have that. My my dad is an atheist, but kind of more agnostic. Like he just didn't really. He was definitely atheist. He didn't believe it, but he was also he didn't care, and mm. it just he, he couldn't be bothered really. And he didn't, so he didn't really talk about it. He didn't tell me, oh, make sure you question. And my mom, she's a Christian. And, you know, she's a, a Christmas and Easter Christian. She believes and goes on the big days, but otherwise just has her own faith and belief and everything. And so, like, I would go to church occasionally, but not regularly. And it kind of made it really easy for me to, or it, it, it made it so that I never really got indoctrinated in it. And I could only, I always saw it as an outsider and it always looked ridiculous to me. And so, and then, yeah, I don't know, I guess I, I just on my own always questioned authorities, questioned companies, questioned traditions and that kind of thing. It was always just never Ooh. my thing. This what be- about you, Lenya? How did you grow up? What religion? My mom is Catholic and my dad was a uh, Baptist. Did mm. you go to church as a kid? Yeah. Were you confirmed? Yeah. Yeah. The whole, <laughs> the whole thing. I went to religious and, instruction. I have the, the confirmation photo where you're 
<laughs> oh, that looks great. Pay. I love oh, it. Lenya. Oh, Lenya. Screenshot. Show notes. In the show notes. On the trailer. Yes, I want a picture of I think have I to find actually that. have that picture somewhere yeah. in this house. You have to share that. Uh, it oh, would, I want to see yeah, I have the whole, I mean, the whole <laughs> thing. So, you know, and I grew up very Catholic. I, it's not that I don't believe, but I don't believe. I get it. Yeah, I I'm get agnostic, it. I think, you know, <laughs> and I just, I can't, I, I hate organized religion. Same. Is the, the, the bane of the world, you know, and I just. Second to corporations. Yeah, I just, ugh. Which are all but like, this yeah. Brings, I, this brings us to the, the question we wanted to ask you. We wanted to have that discussion with you today about. Okay. We want to talk about, can you be friends with a racist? Oh my gosh. That's the question. That's a hard today. question. I yes. I'm going to share a story. This is how this question. And Lenny and I disagree. We disagree. I'm just letting you know, Brendan. So there's no wrong answer because we yes. don't even okay. have the same answer. Yes. Oh, that's so, interesting. And I don't know what your answers are either because the, you two, I, I never know. You two could go either way. But yeah. <laughs> let, me okay. tell you, let me tell you a Please story. Do. This is how this all came about. There's a woman <laughs> that I work with who is a Trump supporter. And I don't know that she's racist because we get along really well and Mm -hmm. we work really well. I look forward to working with her every week. She is a, I find her to be a a delightful person. And it was a shock to find out that she's a Trump supporter and that Mm -hmm. we can't talk about politics at the store. And it kind of came about because during the Golden Globes, just before the Golden Globes, I was wondering if my client was actually going to get an invitation, whether I was going to need to dress her. And I was like, we were discussing it. And she goes, oh, I don't watch the Golden Globes. They get too political. And I was like, and so that was the first initial discussion we had. And then we, then we came to March, which is Women's History Month, right? And so every week I was writing an, an email to all of my customers about different women that I admire and, ha- and fashion mm-hmm. that, that reflects this person's style. I was going to choose, I didn't, I was going to choose Jane Fonda. And I just brought it up randomly to this Trump supporter who told <laughs> me, <laughs> you know, started just going off about Jane Fonda. Oh my God. Now, uh-huh. I personally think Jane Fonda is a legend and, you know. Yeah, hell yeah. Iconic. Iconic, yes. I mean, still to this day, the level of activism that she has, her and Angela Davis, I mean. So inspiring. So inspiring. And so she went off about how, you know, about Jane Fonda and how she hates her and she's a horrible person. And and, and I told Alex about this story and Alex was like, well, can you be friends with a racist? And I'm like, well, I'm friends with this woman, but I don't think she's racist, but she's a Trump supporter. So I don't know what to do. And yet we're friends. And even to this day, yesterday, I went to go and visit her and had lunch with her. The 2020 Trump voter is exactly (laughs) what we talked about this summer. It's like racist. She may not, she's definitely racist. She's not an you know, now question whether she's anti-racist or not, that yeah. might be on the table, but you can't have say, yeah. voted for Trump in 2020. Yeah. I, I just honestly don't think you could have done that and call right. yourself like, again, like if you have that concept, Lenya, that you taught me, everybody's born a racist, like yeah. Yeah. they're voting that part of them. They're voting yeah. the xenophobic fear-based yeah. part of them. Yeah. 
maybe she's an anti-racist that you don't know. Doubt it. I but, doubt it. You know, I doubt it. I doubt it. Is she like yeah. an active racist? I don't know what the other end of the spectrum, what we're calling yes. it. Like, is she that? Yeah, no, exactly. Probably not. Like so there's, Alex there's, has cut her. Alex has cut her. I She's am. done. And I'm like, but I like her. We have so much fun working together. <laughs> like it makes me, I actually look forward to my, my Saturdays, my four eating hours. A Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it's eating a Chick-fil-A. It's the same I, thing to me. And you know, and it's so weird because I'm the black woman. (laughs) So, all right. right. So, so here's, so I don't think you can be like, I think you might have to have a working relationship with her because you work with her. I have colleagues who did vote for Trump in 2020 and I admire and respect them for work, but am I friends with them? Are they coming to the barbecue? No effing way. Are they even making it to a dinner party of mine? No effing way. Or am I going to share intimacies with them no effing way and they've never it's work so it never comes up now in any kind of friendly thing if it comes up i have to walk away like i think to be an anti-racist you can have the conversation and try to sway the mind and if the mind doesn't sway i don't mean to say oh i'm going to be intolerant but i'm like you know what you don't actually get to have the joy of my friendship because there's hate mm-hmm. in your heart. That's how I see mm-hmm. it. And I just, and I think as a white person, it's important because otherwise, if I'm telling you, Lenya, well, I have this friend and we're all going out to lunch together, but she's a little racist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be apologizing. I can't live that life. I can't live that life at 50. I know when you're 20, you have lots of different worlds and you just make sure they don't collide. I am not willing to do that at my age. And it's, if you can't all get along. Like if I feel shame of somebody there, I, I don't have time for you to be my friend. That's, That's just where I feel as a white woman right now, mm-hmm. especially on white women who have. She's Cuban. I think she considers herself a white woman though, but I don't know. I feel like this is so complex because like I said, yeah. she is one of the main reasons why I enjoy going to work on that Saturday. Well, and you right, might be right. making her a different person. I mean, you actually yeah. might be helping her evolve to understand. So Brendan, where do you stand? I mean, what do you, well, yeah, after I've listened to the, the angel and devil on my shoulders, <laughs> each side of this argument, I'll definitely, I'll come in here as the white male and settle this argument. <laughs> no, <laughs> This is why I love you so much. I, ha- I have many different things to reply to all of this. First of all, I want to talk about the difference, the different types of racism. I mean, like mm. there is there is the old school, what we used to call racism, which was, you know, fucking uh, lynching and, you know, a- act- actively harming people, act- actively physically harming people. And and then there was the, you know, the post-slavery racism, which was like, you know, the segregation, different, but not, you know, there was still obviously a lot of physical harm, but then there was a lot, of, there was just like this underlying racism that was... Keep to your uh, own kind racism. Yeah, and not subtle, but but not as confrontational, I guess, maybe. And then there's the, the more modern definition of racism, which is when you don't acknowledge that black people, at least in America, if not in the world, have been systemically disenfranchised and put into harder positions and just constantly like life is made harder for them. And when, so and when you don't acknowledge that, like that's now racism, which I agree with, but it's hard to this, it's hard to kind of articulate what we mean when, when all those three things are called racism. 
I think. Yeah, it's like we need 40, you know what, Eskimos have 40 words for snow. For snow, I yeah. <laughs> 40 words for this. It's, yeah. Um, I agree. So I agree with you, but then, so you're saying, depending on what kind of racist the person is. I mean, a little bit, I guess. I mean, like, you know, the first two categories, I, those are write-offs. Like, those are people, like, you either, yeah, you just kind of have to not be around. At least if you're not going to, if you're not in a, in a situation where you can change them. But even, can you change them? So, I mean, that's the big, well, right, that's a big depends. debate over like, time. Is it an exposure issue? Like, right. so when... I was traveling and was more anti-Semitic than racism. But when I was traveling, I, I was working on a farm and there was a woman from what used to be East Germany who had a very little exposure to the West also working on the farm. And she was just, I mean, she, all of her speech was anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. But it was all coming from ignorance and no mm-hmm. exposure. And mm-hmm. so uh, that was, I felt like, an opportunity. Do you know what I mean? To have a relationship with her. I wouldn't really say it was friendship, but it was a relationship with her where, of course, and I'm not Jewish, but just talking about things like talking about things, being open about things, talking about growing up in mm-hmm. New Jersey, ta- you know, and having that conversation where I think she walked away a more open-minded human. And I, so that works, but I got to say for me, I think about it. I put this in a much more as a white woman, I put this on a much more personal level. Can I be friends with somebody who's anti-choice? And here's the Mm. deal. I can be with somebody who is anti-choice for themselves Right. Mm-hmm. So they would never have an abortion. But if sure. you yeah, yeah, actually yeah. believe that the law should criminalize, God forbid, or just outlaw abortion for me, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to be friends with you because there is something fundamentally like if I don't know, I don't inquire, I don't hand everybody I meet a questionnaire. So I might have friends who sure. are, you know, anti but it's yes. <laughs> well, you know, when I was 18, Brendan, that would have been totally something I would have done. Because that's how rigid I was. But now I'm like, well, if it comes up and I find out really our anti-choice, I don't trust like your way of seeing the world that I Mm -hmm. don't have sovereignty over my body. We can, I'm not even saying we can't be acquaintances, but we're never going to be friends. And to the point where like Candace, my sister, who, because she lives in this very crazy right-wing area, she couldn't survive without having acquaintances who or mm-hmm. friends or mm-hmm. kids friends who are anti-trust whatever but to such an extent that one of her friends actually called her a baby killer and that candace stayed friends with that person candace is, tells this girl all the time well she's i want to meet your sister and my sister's now my my sister who is <laughs> you know big sister will come here uh-huh. and wipe the floor with you because of what you said to me how can that person who called her a baby killer want to be friends with, with her. her if you actually think that you're killing babies if i knew somebody that killed a baby yeah I know. exactly <laughs> i mean yeah there's no way i'd be friends with them exactly no i know this but that's goes to the, the hypocrisy, hypocrisy. That it's the hypocrisy of this that is position. the hypocrisy of that position but this is the hypocrisy of trump supporters 
Yeah, mm-hmm. but I can't. I, mm-hmm. That's why I can't do it. My friends all know to tread a little. I mean, I hate to say it. I am a little out there. And Eric, in my sure. 20s, I used to ruin parties and dinners <laughs> all the time with this kind of stuff. So I've learned, shut up. <laughs> if you don't, you know, yeah, like yeah, for Eric, every, yeah, there, I've just ruined a lot of parties where I have just said, if you're not this, then you're this. And if you're this, then you're this. And I was like, that's the logical place. And they're like, so you're calling me a horrible racist. I said, yes, I am. And then yeah. Eric's, well, we got to leave this group of people. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice knowing you all. I'll see myself out. <laughs> well, you know, for me, it's, it's really different because... I used to find myself in situations where I'd have no choice but to be friends with some of these Mm. people because I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. friends. Like when I was in Australia, I just didn't have a base. So, you know, eventually I started to find my voice a little bit more and would become a little bit selective about who I wanted to deal with. But, you know, I just didn't have, I didn't have that luxury there. I have that luxury now. It's just so different. I find it so different, so difficult, especially because I live in this like all white Trump supporting neighborhood. I happen to be really fortunate that my next door neighbors are all pretty decent Democratic people. But I live in the middle of Trumpville out here in in Sherman Oaks. So it's just Mm -hmm. what would I do if I want to have friends in my neighborhood, especially now when I well, now I can leave my neighborhood. But before when I I was trapped here. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, I, I, but I, I mean, you I, are a better person than I am. And I, and I've learned a lot from my sister. I really admire her because she's, you know what? I'm learning to be more tolerant and yes. be more open-minded mm-hmm. and friends for different reasons. And I feel bad. And I always want to give her a hug because right now she's just in a position where no, it's my bedroom and ice cream because <laughs> I hate everyone out there right now. Yes. Yeah. But it's, but other times, I mean, she's just making do. She's like, we have this in common. We have wanting to raise good kids in common and i'm like no i think it's beautiful it isn't yeah. in my wheelhouse i gotta say like it isn't and i'm kind of okay with myself that way so alex you mentioned that like when conversing with people and something comes up and you hear a and you think a means b and b means c and c means racist so i can't be friends with you anymore like i on one hand i really get that because if you're a trump supporter Oh, I'll question, and and I don't want to get you wrong. I'll question the person. I'll say, sure, let's inquire about that some more. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm just thinking because definitely, you know, there's layers of ignorance and there's layers of indifference and there's layers of I want to say overwhelm, where where people can't handle learning everything about every culture in the world. Our brains aren't built for that. Our brains are built for local. And so knowing everything that's happening in, in Myanmar or the Uyghurs in China that are being massacred, enslaved, or you know, all, all these tragedies all over the world, like are we, our brains aren't built to be able to have compassion for all those people all the time. And not to say that's an excuse for take, you know, f- f- following a cult leader into taking this country down the drain uh, as a very simplistic way of putting it, but... I, I believe that somebody can be short-sighted and self-interested, and that doesn't necessarily mean that a, a couple steps go by and that means they're racist. Oh, I totally agree with you. That's why context is everything. So yeah. like when I'm sort of saying this, when I'm talking to a 
college educated or a, okay, so let's take the hypocrisy of Congress for most of Congress. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Well, we're going to go there. <laughs> we're going to go there. Sorry. We got to go there. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I forget what the percentage is of Congress that they went to college, but when you do a general survey of college educated folks across the United States, it will be that more people are secular or not like culturally religious, but not religious. And you get into Congress and I'm not really talking about the right wing at this point. I'm just talking about the old centrist Republicans and the the old centrist leftists. They will all say they're God fearing church going or going people. And the idea is that's kind of a lie. There's no way the statistics bear out that they're actually real church-going people. They're doing it for show because it's that belief system. I was like, the rest of the world doesn't do that. Like, why being in Congress makes you, you should be secular and you're saying you aren't so you get more voters, like democracy. So the same thing for me, you look at the context of where we are. Like, I was like, if somebody's college educated, or from my sense, they have a law degree. They're schooled in a certain amount of history, schooled in a certain amount of systems. And you're going to then be anti-choice or believe that we should have no gay marriage. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be your friend. If I am right. talking to, if I'm working on a farm or camping and I meet somebody and we're hiking and they're only from, they haven't really gotten outside their state and they're mm-hmm. community college educated or they're not, co- you know, not college educated or even just local college educated. Right. And they haven't really been exposed, right. To diversity. Of course, the, the stick is different. The measuring stick is different because that's just not being exposed to something, to having to think the thoughts where if you grow up in an urban environment, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? And that's where I struggle because I do live in LA. Everybody I do run in, I mean, you know, I live in a bubble where most of my friends have more than one degree. And if I meet somebody in that circle, who's not thinking more worldly, I don't know way. I have, so I have family members that are highly educated, but like never really left New York. And they have very narrow views about the world, not necessarily women's rights to choose or anything like that. I'm just talking like about the world in general. So they make really ridiculous comments when I travel about different things that I encounter. And it seems so ignorant to me to say something like that. And if I voice that, then I, you know, they, you get a lot of pushback because they think they know better because they're, they have these degrees, but they just haven't really lived a life. I don't know how Absolutely. to explain that. No, but that's what I mean. It's all context. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you throw the idea of family in there that changes everything too, because you can't really choose your family. Now I have family members also who are, there is a line of family on my mother's side that have gotten very conservative Mm-hmm. anti-union, Trump-supporting, Italian Catholic people. We are, we both, we, we have stayed friends on Facebook, but we've both unfollowed the other, you know, so I don't see anything she posts. I don't do anything. If I never see her or speak to her again, I'm really okay with that. You know what I mean? She's in a close member of my family. I kind of cared, but I was like, you know what? Like, 
the hate she was spewing during the 2016 election, like against Hillary, mm-hmm. the, the level of misogyny that she mm-hmm. was spewing, I was like, yeah, I'm not, we're not doing dinner together. And the truth is, yeah. My mother thought that of the, this side of the family. <laughs> like my mother would say, I never see these people because they're fucking crazy. And I was like, but mom. And now I was like, nope, Jeanette was right. Well, you know, <laughs> like, so you gotta, there's a, when they're spewing hate like that, you also have to do some self care and yes. urge them to just not have that negativity around you all the time. Cause that, that just, it morally corrupts and it exhausts, yes. you know? Yeah. And you can't choose your family. Right. So you can do it. Like I have family members who are still very Catholic. So there were issues around certain ways of life I've chosen to live. And the truth is, that's fine. I can go to dinner with them once a year and have a beautiful time and love it still. And what's funny is over time, these people who were anti-choice are now pro-choice. They've actually come they've evolved. And so the exposure argument kind of worked. I think so. Yes. Yeah. I, so I, I have a similar story about my ex in-laws. They are both very conservative. And when, so in 2016, during the primaries, I was talking with them and we were having a really nice series of discussions and debates about different policies and different things as candidates were coming up, they were, it felt like to me, they were about to tell me that they were going to support Bernie because on the issues they matched almost entirely. And then they talked with her sister and her sister got her to watch Fox news. And then she got sucked into Fox news and she immediately switched like the next visit I came and she was like, I'm voting for Trump. And I was like, what the F happened? And I mean, that's how fast that toxic programming works on people. It was just so trad. And anytime for, for the next four, the next three and a half years, I tried, anytime I tried talking to her, I was the enemy. I was, uh, even though I wanted better things for her, I wanted better things wow. for me. I wanted better things for strangers. I, I want everybody to be lifted up. And, and it was just that I, I I was the enemy. I couldn't be listened to now that we had to talk about anything else but politics because I was evil. And she literally said that. It's so weird how some people can be so easily swayed. Yeah. I, I yeah. wonder about that with the um, popularity of Fox in general and Tucker mm-hmm. Carlson in specific. It just, I, I just, I, I, I wonder what is wrong with us mm-hmm. that we could be so easily swayed by something that we know is wrong. Like we know yeah. like you can listen to him and just look at him. And there's something about his nature that tells you immediately mm-hmm. that there mm-hmm. is something wrong with this person's mm-hmm. views, as well as the fact that Fox has come out and said that he, you know, that, that this is not a news program and you shouldn't take his word as Bible, but you know, for some reason, there is this huge part of the population, and a lot of them, Alex, are co- college educated. A lot of them are really smart. A lot of them are lawyers. Look at Ted Cruz. Well, you know that's what I mean? why it's, it's very just- easy for me to cut those people right out. I'm not going to be friends with Ted Cruz. Of course, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I know. I, I don't even, imagine I don't even like we meet. He might be friend. fun. Like you don't know. He might tell a good joke. Like he might be funny. Like I have no idea. But I am telling you, like <laughs> that is a person that would I would not give the benefit of the doubt to, I would not think I could change his mind or have a meaningful conversation and it would be exhausting. Well, what bothers me about the smart people who buy into all of this 
What bothers me the most is that I think they're smart enough to know that it's wrong. They're buying into it for personal and, you know, monetary or whatever their reasoning is. It is, they know it's wrong, but they're doing it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that bothers me more. Like I know, you know, you could tell that Ted Cruz knows that he's, that everything that he's spouting is a lie and that he just, he wants to become president. And then this is the only way he sees it at this Mm -hmm. point in time. And Mm -hmm. then again, we're watching the whole Republican party implode on themselves because they can't get their shit together with this lie. That's what I, that's been since 19, 80, right. So since George H.W. Bush decided to run for president, he was pro-choice mm. before he became Reagan's vice president. Mm-hmm. And he switched side. And pro-environment. And, right. So when you think about that, like, I think for me, when you hear about those issues, those are moral issues. They are moral yeah. core issues. Yeah. I only think you get educated one way. Now, I have had friends who were pro-choice, had abortions, regret their abortions and said, I'll never do that for me again. But they still say, no, the government, you have to have a right to do it. Right. So but basically time bends towards justice. Yeah. And okay. That kind of concept is that, you know, we move into tolerance. We move into equality. We move in that direction. So for George H.W. Bush to move in the opposite direction that's right. There's other influences there. Yeah. Right. And there are other reasons. And I agree. And I was like, since, I mean, it isn't that the left doesn't do it. They do, but it's more subtle issues. Sure. It's Republicans moving so right wing post 1980. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy that right now, if Reagan ran, he'd win because he would be considered like a oh, Democrat. For sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's just this, this insane thing. So I agree that there is something sinister. That's the word. There's something sinister. So, you know, Brendan brought up co- corporations. Yeah. Yes. Laws today are a little sinister, right? You know, the fact mm-hmm. that corporations are people that, so much power. Yeah. that have so much power and also just that litigation is determined on the bottom line. You know, so if this X might kill a hundred people, it's worth the risk litigiously because we'll make so much money. We'll buy insurance and the insurance will deal with those, whatever Mm -hmm. that litigation is. Mm -hmm. Those cost benefit. Insurance Insurance is the worst of the worst. Oh my God. Oh my God. I I can't even, we can't talk about that. We operate in a pretend moral world. Where like what I like about when I teach when I do moot court at the law school, the idea is it's mock Supreme Court. That's how I try to explain it to people, because at that level, it's not just interpreting the law because it's going to be the law was made up by Congress. And then all we're deciding is their policy influences on both sides. Mm-hmm. And then you just need to decide what kind of world do you want to live in? Right. So the pro-choice side is always the example I give. Because I was like, you know, it's sovereignty over a woman's body, the right to choose, or, right, the belief that life begins at conception and then protection of the unborn. They're two different policies, mm-hmm. right? So if you take both beliefs as true and give mm-hmm. respect to both sides, yeah. you can do that. And I actually mm-hmm. do that. 
Yeah, but sure. I'm just very clear that the moral thing is that women trump. I call it a fetus. You want to call it the unborn, like the woman's body sovereignty over her own body trumps now. But it is at some point, that's just a decision that the Supreme (laughs) Court makes. Here's the kind of society we're going to live in. That's and that's how come it evolves. Right. I mean, it isn't that gay sex was outlawed 20 years ago and it's okay now. It isn't that the world's a different place. It's that humans have decided, oh, no, actually, that is moral to allow that. It's actually more moral to be more open rather than to criminalize something. We're not really operating in a moral world right now because no. we're everything mm. is morally relative, right? So it's yeah. like depending. So <laughs> I want to circle back to a couple things. So we were talking about we're talking about both like politicians and their changing views. Politicians are a breed of their own. They they say they believe what the people who they want to have vote for them want them to believe, and so they're they're in the league of their own and just. morally corrupt. I think I've been noticing this more and more. The only good politician or the only good leader is somebody who that was foisted upon them. They didn't want to be a leader. It just, they got, they were a a good soul and were pushed into it. Well, George Washington is one of them. Yeah, he's definitely one of the, you know, he's problematic, of course, but he's, yeah, especially back then. Also, but I, I mean, to give credit where credit is due, the thing that's interesting about George Washington, and I know he didn't free his wife's slaves. So, I, you know, I, yeah. I get that. Yeah. But he did free his own slaves upon his death. And partly that was due to his learning curve, right? Because he did serve in the army with black people who were also serving in the Continental Army. And he was like, oh, we really are equal. There really is no change. And I'm not going to, my wife is the rich one. I'm not touching that, but he did free his, his own slaves when he died. He didn't do it. He's not like, I'm not like saying, oh, he's a great yeah. person, but I'm just saying right. there was a learning curve in his growth and he didn't do it to be popular because that wasn't a popular decision no. back then. But there's even modern, there's even more modern times. I mean, it's some degree, like I would love to discuss like what we think Biden's presidency is going to be. You know what I mean? I feel like he's kind of pushed into this position that he's in now to be to become president, because I don't think he really wanted to do this when, you know, when he had the opportunity to run, he, he was too consumed with grief. And then, you know, and then I think he just kind of got used to being like a regular guy, my family, blah, 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 blah. And then he gets pushed, you know, gets pushed into this point by his family I think he he actually says his grandchildren told him, pushed him, saying, you must run against him. We can't have four more years. So he's pushed into this situation. So I feel completely like what you're saying, Brendan, that, that, that some of the great leaders of our time are pushed into this position because mm-hmm. there just isn't, there is no other choice. And they're, you know, they get pushed into greatness. I mm-hmm. actually, I agree. Like what's interesting about Joe Biden is that when he wanted it, all the other times I yeah. do think might've been ego. And I do think this time he was like, he served, he was vice president. He lost yep. the bid to, you know, uh-huh. to be the candidate, but he got to be this really popular vice president. Like people loved Obama and Biden together. And then I do really think there's this element that he doesn't have ego in it right now. Kind of like how Jerry Brown was as governor this last time, whereas this is the last office I'm running for. 
So there's, I I don't have some ego in my next job. There isn't another job after this. I'm retiring after this. So I'm just going to get as much climate shit done as Mm -hmm. I'm going to do. And he did, I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he did do a lot of stuff for the climate. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of, Biden seems to be working. I mean, we can talk about this because my friend Connor, who lives in Cuba, she has nothing good to say about Biden because the embargo is still there. It's early days. The man's been president for 100 days, 103 days or something. I know. I know. And you can't starving. I realize (laughs) that people are starving. But you know what? The thing is starving here, too. I get it. But but also, we don't seem to, to give anyone any kind of like grace that it takes so long with the way our government works to do anything. Yeah. I mean, look, he I just agree. wants to help, you know, build our infrastructure and we can't even get anyone to agree on what actually infrastructure is because of the divisiveness that's happening. So I yeah. feel like we, and a lot of people feel this way. It's not like, it, it's not just, you, you know, Connor, a lot of people feel like he's not doing enough. I also feel like we haven't given him enough time. It's not even, you know, been a year and we're expecting him to change everything. It's just going to take so much time. It's only been 103 days. I do think he's doing a lot. And he's trying. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. Yes, I'm really happy too. We can't, though, let that happiness stop us from continuing to try and push him because it sounds like he's not, without us reaching out and telling him to do so, he's not likely going to keep his campaign promise to to not let Pfizer and Moderna's patents hold for their yes. vaccines. And countries like and India Indian. desperately need yes. a, a, a generic vaccine right now. No, absolutely. You are, absolutely. You are definitely right. And, no, we, and he has think- buckled. He has like people, people mocked the idea of pushing Biden to the left because he's such a moderate and he wants to compromise so much, but he has buckled to liberal pressure on a couple issues so far. And so, I mean, I his totally green agree. climate plan is already is, is something to, to take into account. I know we should not be complacent, definitely not yeah. become complacent, but we also do need to give credit where credit is due mm-hmm. and to give him time to put things in place. I mean, we're not China and we're not these kinds of places where we have yeah. dictators you know, we have, a, we have Congress and, you know, it's a mess. Everything mm-hmm. that's happening in Congress is just such a bloody mess right now that it just makes everything so hard. Mm-hmm. And I don't um, know how much, I don't know how much control Biden has of, of almost anything, really. He is kind of like the person who just says, I want to do this thing. Let's move towards this. But whenever anybody is talking about the good or bad that Biden is doing, the first thing that comes to mind mind is that there's still kids in cages at the border. And it's 103 days of them still in there after the humanitarian crisis of all the last four years. Like what, how is that okay? It's it's not okay. But also, again, it is something that is also in the works. Right. It is. I mean, that's that's the charge of the he actually the vice president in charge of it because it's the same thing with Obama and Guantanamo. Yeah. And the drone strikes. Yeah. Like I I, those and deportations. Yes. Sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting you. I just I I have a lot of problems with Obama. (laughs) (laughs) I do, too. It's fair. I mean, there's a left agenda that he's not going to get to fast Mm -hmm. enough. And I do Mm -hmm. think it's important to keep pressure on him. It was the same way with Obama. You know, it isn't I think Obama was a good president. Yeah. 
I mean, now we definitely, we, we have a new low bar. Well, we, we don't really have a new low bar. We've a fresh in our mind low bar because Bush Jr. Was a low bar. Oh, yes. was, was, yeah. If, oh my God. Okay. But so, but this is the other thing that I, I really distress about American politics. We hold our leaders to an, a standard that is not achievable. They are not perfect. No one is perfect. We are not going to have perfection. And if we are looking for perfection in our leaders, mm-hmm. we will always be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And yes, we need to push our leaders to do what we what needs to be done to help everyone in the world. Like that, obviously, we need to make sure that we're pushing them to be the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. But we will never get perfection. And we do have to uh, celebrate the, the small victories. Yeah. A lot. We have to because we're never going to have all the things that we need. And, you know, and and the children in cages is one of my major problems as well. And when it was announced that our vice president was going to be in charge, I was pleased because she's a woman. She'll think about this in a different way. We mm-hmm. will have some outside of the box. I know Alex is shaking her head, but we will have some outside of the box thinking in this. It won't be this I think we will. I think we will. I mean, she's a stepmom. There's that maternal thing. She's a prosecutor. There's this, I, I feel like, I think we need to give her some time. If she fails us, then she fails us. And then, you know, we, we have to push forward. But I feel like yeah. we need to, at least there's somebody that is responsible, as opposed to in yeah. the last administration. You know yeah, what I mean? Was, like, yeah, we have there was some, nothing. There's somebody that's responsible that we can throw all of our... Yeah. This has been too. the most fun discussing politics I've had in a year. I know. Well, it helps that we're the kind of all on the same side. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like it's because Alexandra has no tolerance, and that we don't have we don't have any Trump supporters on the. I mean, I would love one day to bring it up with the girl that I that this woman that I'm ta- I'm talking about. I would like to bring sure. it up one day. But I'm always afraid because I don't want yeah. to hate her. Because, like I told yeah. you, it actually makes my Saturdays so fun. She's such an engaging boss. All of the people who work for her love her. And Mm -hmm. so that's why it was such a shock to me to find out that she was, that that she Mm -hmm. had all of these views. Mm -hmm. And I I have to say, it was interesting that she felt comfortable enough to tell me. Mm -hmm. Well, and and what I want to say on that point is that like to my earlier point of like when somebody is so vocal about their the spewing hate and stuff like anti-Hillary stuff and all that kind of stuff, you have to exit that out of your life. But if somebody, they have different views, but they're a boon on your life, they're positive, they make your day better. Like, the, 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 I don't I don't see the point in, in, in axing them just because of something that you may not understand how they got to that point yet. And... Maybe when you do learn that story, you'd have much more compassion for it. I think about er, earlier we were talking about Fox viewers. Like I have a lot of compassion for my ex-in-laws because I feel like they turned on a a manipulation channel and got manipulated. And maybe they didn't know they were signing up for that. And they didn't, or somebody who grows up in an environment where there's a lot of conservative or hateful or not that those are the same thing, but views that are less than compassionate that they grow up with that mindset and they just haven't been exposed to, or they haven't realized that they they need to question it yet. And so for, for me, and you know, this could be, you know, some sort of savior complex that I have, but I definitely always want to talk to somebody about their views and understand why and try and like, nestle in some of my own views in the conversation as we go through and discuss things 
to try and just plant seeds that maybe could grow and change their mind over time. Cause I actually have seen them happen. Yeah. I have seen that happen too. And I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, <laughs> thank God you're in the world. But yeah. I'm, thank God you're in the world. Cause I am tired Oh yeah. So it's the idea that I, and I, you know, the thing is that if you took me out of teaching and I wasn't teaching for a whole year, Mm -hmm. maybe I would be in your space, right? Like context of my own life is I have X amount of students a year where I have to bracket my own stuff. I have to model good behavior. I have to talk, I have to have compassion. And so I think about the space in my life to have more of that. I think I'm a little tired to do that, that if I weren't doing that, maybe I would have more compassion to give Mm -hmm. and create even a social world where there was such diversity of opinion where I could be Mm -hmm. like, okay, I could be in it. But I think back to the people I have axed out of my life due to their views and I have no regrets. So that is also... That's a good thing to reflect on. And I will say, you know, I live in a Portland liberal bubble And I don't really get out and talk to a lot of people. So even (laughs) pre-pandemic, like pandemic life is like just 1.3 of what my normal life is. And it's just, (laughs) I'm a little bit more alone, but not that much more alone. And so I don't have a, a lot of exhaustion from trying to communicate with people and trying to convince them or anything like that. Yeah. I have to say that I have become more tolerant. I was I had like really strong views and strong opinions mm-hmm. and I would push them on mm-hmm. people often before. And I think in the last maybe five years, I've become more tolerant of people and their different views across the board with a lot, with a bunch of things, not just politics, with a bunch of things with religion. With, I feel like I need to, uh, as part of my personal growth, I need to do that for me. So yeah. maybe that's what it is. Maybe this is just part of that new thing with me being more tolerant of people who don't necessarily have the same views as myself. Because I mean, I'm one of those people that cut people out of my life all the time. We talked about this in the previous episode. I'm just like, I'll just stop texting you. I can't be bothered. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I am trying to, as I want to become a better person, I want to also become more tolerant of people who have different views, even if they're polar opposite views. Part of my personal growth recently is that I am trying to become more tolerant. And I hadn't even thought about it until just now talking about this person that there would have been a time I wouldn't have tolerated her for sure. There would have been a time that would have been very much like Alex. I've been like, ah, mm-hmm. never coming back to the store. Can't stand this woman. How can you dare be like a person that believes in Trump? You're a horrible individual. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I probably mm-hmm. would have been worse than Alex. That makes me sound so bad. But Alex, I think I would have been worse than no. you. Than I would still go to work. I just Yeah, see, he would still go to nice work. I would have been like, I'm quitting. So I would have been a lot better. I would have been a lot worse than Alex. Uh, there, I mean, no, there are Trump voters time. that I do talk to, but it is, they are people that I, there's a former student that is a Trump voter and she's been trying to be, free. you know, she's close to my age. So she's, let's be friends. And um, we can just be the acquaintances, former student professor. We will always be because even mm-hmm. though I know you're a good person, and she is a good person, you know, we're talking about a really good person who cares about people. But she believes people were here get treated first. And so she has this like us first before we let in. She's very big on anti-immigration. And I know the context, you know what I mean? She's 
from a poor yeah. family. Like I know the context and I was like, you know what? I can totally guide you. I'll do this, but we're not, she is really striving to make it a friendship. And I'm like, it's not going to happen. I am making a difference. Maybe that I'll have dinner with her once a year, but I think I really do. I mean, maybe it is age, but I'm just too tired. I've spent a life worrying about, Mm -hmm. this is a woman's issue, right? But I've spent a life worrying, making sure everybody gets along, always being the peacemaker, always Mm -hmm. making sure everybody's okay. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to do that anymore. So, you know, the thing is, I kind of want my, when I have people over for dinner or something, I want it to be, I don't want to have to worry about that shit. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure, you know, we have a good friend who's a trans man and I don't, I'm very careful. Like I don't want someone who's prejudiced. Like they might be a great person, but I don't want that person at the dinner party with that other person and then have to worry about Mm -hmm. is everybody okay? I'm too tired for that personally. I don't think it's up to every person at every time to be always fighting a moral fight. Like, right. It's that's too much for anybody to to be able to handle. Like you have done it and that's great. And you probably do it more again. And just maybe right now it's not, that's not for you. And that's perfectly understandable. I think that you should allow yourself a lot of leeway with that. It's self-care. Yeah. I mean, it's just becoming a little conflict avoidant as I get older too, is I'm not willing with that, Alex. Mm -mm. There's nothing. Yeah. But I feel bad. I mean, I do feel like, oh, you know, because I am becoming intolerant, basically. It is like, an, <laughs> and I'm admitting to that. I was like, oh, I'm getting intolerant. But I've always right, but, in- but your intolerance is that you don't want them in your life, not that they should have less rights or less access or less yeah. anything. Actually, and absolutely, so that's and a, not, a, even, not in my life. Difference. It's just not, again, it's that friendship versus acquaintance. It's sure. like yeah. friend. Yeah. Because I find, I, yeah. My sense is, Brendan, it's nothing because of your generation. But where are things like slight prejudices that were okay when we were growing up in the 70s, 80s, 90s that was acceptable that, you know, I still might have to struggle with that or, you know, words like I just heard somebody on the East Coast just described to me said, oh, you know, that person is a Jap. And they don't mean mm-hmm. Japanese. Mm-hmm. They mean Jewish American princess. And that's an East Coast word that I just grew up using. Mm. It was, I was called a Jap. So I would, cause it didn't mean Jewish. It really just meant a certain kind of girl. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's so nobody would say it, you know what I mean? And yeah. it was like, I was like, but interesting. Like I didn't even think I, I thought I was so woke when I was 20 sure. and I used that word and mm-hmm. I was like, Wow how moronic of me, you know, but even, and now even thinking about the word gypsy, yep. Yeah. You know, use the word gyp in a conversation and that's, it had a non pejorative meaning, right? It was just take advantage of, but when you realize what the history of that word is like, Oh yeah, not that we're no longer using that word. Yep. There are words like that with my, I can't think of any right now, but gypped comes to mind because that was something that I had no idea that there was any sort of, I, I had no idea that what that those words were correlated. But yeah, etymology is like both a fascinating and kind of tragic way of looking at the language you already use on your daily basis and realizing absolutely how well, you racist think about or the how word, awful it is. I mean, would you be friends? Like, so this gets to, would you be friends with a, uh, a racist? But what does that mean? So would you be friends 
with a person who used the word fag. No, oh, that person's a fag. No, I can't. Yeah, I wouldn't I can't. either. I wouldn't either. But would you inquire more? Because is I, that I like, would inquire no, more because the know. only people yeah. that I know that use that word are gay. Right, like, no, right. See, so, I right, in today's yeah. world, but I got to say, like, Lenny and I, did you grow up with that word? Yeah, I grew up with that word. I remember being told by my parents, well, that's not a nice word. And I was like, what? It means a bundle of sticks. Like, I remember having a little attitude or being like, no, it means a cigarette. And it was mm-hmm. like, Kids. in the end, they were like, no, still a bad word. Yeah. But you also realize, okay, as a kid, I did kind of grow up using that word, not knowing what it meant. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, like, I had no concept of gay. I mean, I'm talking when I was eight years old, I had no concept of sexuality. I was like, oh, right. fuck, shit, gay doesn't mean any different to me, mm-hmm. right? It all was the same, not allowed words, right? And so, of course, <laughs> now I'm horrified by that. And if I, and again, I don't think I never called a stranger that name because I wasn't that kind of child. I, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. My parents talk. Right. Like I didn't call stranger names, but did I like somebody fall off a bike and I say something like, oh, Kim, I can't believe you did whatever, you know, and say, oh, that's gay. I'm sure I said that before. I had gay people in my family from very young. So I was like, Mm. I knew very early and I grew up in the ballroom. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I I mean, but as soon as I woke up, I never used the word. But like when you think about tolerance, The idea is like if somebody really old, like again, even I think generationally was using that word and depending how they use that word, I might inquire and I might Mm -hmm. then correct because there is then that concept. And then if they continued, I'm yeah, no, we're not going to be friends. I grew up in an area where the the anti-gay stuff was not really around. I never even had that sentiment. I actually had my first gay experience before I, I even knew really what homosexuality was and or like any type of sexuality was and so it it typically doesn't even cross my mind of things like that but also another thing that you uh, are talking about etymology and and those kind of societal words that we we think about or don't think about i remember a story about a guy a, a guy told us a story about his father who used the word oriental when describing some asian people and then like the son scolded him for it for using that word and he meant nothing derogatory about it. He just thought it was the right word to use. He's just talking about people from th- that continent. And, and, you know, that's obviously a broad brush to, to stroke, but he meant absolutely nothing derogatory about it and didn't realize that the word had changed. My and, mother used to do that. Yeah. And I used to have to tell her that um, Asian people are not food or rugs, so they're Asian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is, but that is like the idea is it did change because it was acceptable. Now it might've been colonial in the sense that it was really never, it was really never a kind word, but like a whole bunch of people were using it, not knowing that. And then when you use the same word for generations and the the origin and and context around the origin is, is lost to time. And it's just the word. Now I applaud the efforts to remove those words but also I understand when people don't know all the context and, and I have leeway for yeah, that. Yeah, and that's why you need to look at context. You need to look at g- cultural region. You need to look at generation. I mean, just even the idea that some a student just corrected me on something 
like what something meant. And I'm like, oh my God, the generation gap is real and big right now because I did not know that something, I forgot what the word was, but I was like, well, I was really like, well, back in my day, it meant this. And then it was, and I was like, this is why intergenerational activity is so important because it Mm -hmm. also keeps you evolving, you know? Mm -hmm. So I noticed that my mother who got very isolated in the last 15 years of her life wasn't moving at the same pace, you know what I mean? With language. Mm -hmm. So even though we're talking about a woman who was left of left her whole life, kind of wasn't making the etymotic, she wasn't changing her language where my dad, who's been a little bit more engaged in the world, he's moving along with it. Like sometimes I'm like, mm-hmm. damn dad, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like are how many like 25 year olds are you talking to every day? Because you really seem <laughs> completely aware of how language has shifted, mm-hmm. you know, in the last 10, 15 years. And you notice that we need to have a, an episode on woke culture. Yeah. Because this is something that obviously uh, is going through the media at the moment. I, I would want to bring up the fact that wokeness is a African-American term mm-hmm. that has been co-opted. co-opted. Well, it's also become I, like what the concept of woke means has changed dramatically in the last year. Partially because it's been completely co-opted because half the people claiming they're woke aren't woke at all. Well, they don't even know what woke is. When I say it, I almost am saying it with quotations because I don't. Yeah, same here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When I'm using it, I'm like, they think they're woke or they're woke. And I'm almost saying it sarcastically because it isn't my word to use. But that's going to change. And language is moving, right? So this is the thing. Like, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk in a year. Nobody's going to own that word. And it's going to be whatever my niece, who's 11, announces at dinner. She's like, I used, I talked about, I will, I Googled it. She said, well, Google is not a credible source. And I was like, that's true. It's a search engine. And she was like, Wikipedia is a credible source. And I was like, what? well, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> what? what? And she, <laughs> but she has her, wait, what? And, but here's the thing, like her, and I said, it's not really, it depends. It depends, Mia, but wow. you're talking to an 11 year old, you know, but she was like, had her argument, her sixth grade teacher or whatever, but she was like the process through which it gets edited and who does it. And there are certain locked entries that, you know, and I understand it. It's like, if enough people say it's true, then I guess it's true. That kind of concept. So I was like, well, it's true for some things, Mia, but it's not going to be a credible source for everything. Yeah. She was like, and Sandra, I am right. And I will argue this. And I was like, okay. Okay, you win. I'm just, you know, I'm going to do some research and get back to you. Mm-hmm. But it is that kind of concept with words. Like living language is exciting. I mean, I think living language is something that's a beautiful thing. So I know people get really tense when they're like, this is this and I don't want to share it. But I'm like, well, what's beautiful about language is that we can all once we start to see through the lens of what that word actually means and what starts to land on, I thought it meant this and you think it meant this. And then we land in the middle somewhere, but we really then have a true meaning of the minds mm-hmm. that becomes true communication. That becomes really beautiful. If everybody is sort of keeping their words to themselves, yeah. then there's never going to be a meaning of the see, So I think that is exactly the reason why, to bring it back around, you can be friends with a racist because you can 
work to understand language and context and history and all those things. And that I think, Lenya, you are perfectly allowed <laughs> to have have any friends that you want that that bring you joy and that you can interact with in peace and love and harmony and, and all that. That's what I think. Well, then I'm dedicating this to my sister, Candace, who's spreading her beautiful joy and peace and happiness and educating a lot of her friends. So I nice. appreciate her. Nice. I'm still not going to come hang out there with them, though. Yeah, hmm? I'm hoping that I'm changing her. I'm hoping that I'm showing her something different. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. you never know. Let's say in a year's time when we're when we come back and we start talking about something else. You can when there's me. another hot election. Well, oh. with the actually with the recall of, of Governor Newsom, of Governor let's Newsom, see if you yeah. guys talk about mm-hmm. what those politics are. We'll see where this friendship goes. We're yes, we'll curious. see where this friendship goes. <laughs> Keep us updated. Yes. We want to hear about it. I'm going to come to the store and talk about an abortion, and we're going to just see what she says. And no, no we're going to talk about, it. what's her face? Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, there you go. Oh. Yeah, there we go. Now, right, I got to well, ask. With that. I, 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 yeah. Before we go, I got to ask Alex and Lenya, would you allow your friend on the podcast? I would love to have her. Yeah, I would love to have her. Yes, I absolutely I would. would. Cool. I would love to have her because I she's would. actually got some great fashion sense. I would probably ask Lenya to give her a warning. Maybe listen to and an episode I, or and two. That, and honestly, I, you know what? In all fairness, I probably would just wear my professor persona like rather than sure. this one where I was like, and you've heard me use it on the podcast before when yeah. I say, let me push back a little on that. That's usually a signal that I'm wearing my hat and I'm restraining myself mm-hmm. and I would have that hat on so it wouldn't be scary. I mean, I am a better person than I was at 28. I bulldozed in my 20s. So so, so on that note. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us. <laughs> yes, thank you for coming. And Brendan, thank you so much for coming on. We got to have more my episodes absolute pleasure. where it's our whole family. Yes. Absolutely. So listen to Women Bridging the Gap. You can find us at womenbridgingthegap.com. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. The links are in the show notes. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.